In this episode of Soul Zero Two, we're going to be talking about how to change your paradigm. The last time we talked about what a paradigm is and and why we should change it and when you may need to change it. So let's get to it. Welcome to Soul Zero Two. This is Lou Perez, and this is a podcast that is that is seeking to to put oxygen back into the Christian life one soul at a time. And our last time together, we talked about the words of Jesus uh, because Jesus was a paradigm changer when he spoke of new wineskins and he spoke of not sewing old old uh, patches onto new clothes because they will, they will destroy the new clothes. And so God is, is not static. God is always moving forward. But it is human nature, however, to kind of fixate on the past and on past methods and on the way things used to work. And, and and yet God is always doing something fresh every day. And just think about every sunset. Have you ever seen an exact sun, sunset? Um, uh, you know, the same one you saw last week, let's say. Uh, every sunset is unique. Every sunrise is unique. And it shows God's way of always doing things differently. So. The question we asked today, because last time we talked about what is a paradigm and why you may need to change yours. Today we're going to answer this question. How do you change a paradigm? How do you change the way that you're seeing the world? How do you see the way, how do you change the way that you think? How do you change the way that maybe you've been implementing your methods? Because as we said previously, the older you are, the harder it is to change. The younger you are, the more easy it is to change, even though that's not always the case. I, I've, I've met young people who hated change, and it was very interesting. But uh, so how do we change? How do we change? Number one, choose to embrace change. Choose to embrace change. That is a conscious choice. There's a wonderful little book called Who Moved My Cheese, written by Dr. Spencer Johnson. And it's a book you could read probably in half an hour, and it, you can read it to kids. It's a wonderful book, but it has a profound lesson in it because it's about change. And Dr. Johnson writes about the trying adventures of four characters, Sniff, Scurry, Ham and Haw. As they search, they find, they lose, and they must rediscover their favorite food, cheese. And the way the story goes was, uh, just to give you the short version, is they had uh, kind of found their new cheese and they, they got excited about it and they kind of uh, built their life and culture around the cheese and they created signs, you know, home sweet home signs around the cheese and and um, and they, they built their whole ecosystem around the cheese. But something happened very tragically. One day the cheese started to get green and Sniff and Scurry kind of said, hey, you know what? Uh, we need to get out there and do something about this cheese going bad because in another week or so, we won't be able to eat it and we'll starve. But Hem and Haw, of course, speaks of the part of us that doesn't want to change. They hemmed and hawed. Oh, we don't need it. We're happy here. Everything's good. It's working. You know, it's not broken. Don't fix it. And the whole thing. So the way the story turns out, they had to go find the cheese and, and they found it and they, you know, they learned these lessons. And the lessons are this. In the story, the, the four characters come to, to a couple of realizations. Number one, that change is inevitable, that no matter how perfect our world becomes, how organized and how 
predictable it becomes, it will change. But also, they must anticipate change. And then they must adapt to that change and learn to embrace and actually enjoy change. And this is the art of life. This is, this is how you change as a person, really, when you think about it. Think about it again. God is always moving forward. He, there's part of him that never changes in terms of his nature. His love for us never changes. His judgments never change. The way uh, his principles never change. However, his methods often change. And embracing change begins by transitioning the way that we think. The way that we think. That's the hardest part of change, believe it or not. Um, we can change physically a situation, but to change our thinking about it, boy, that, that really takes work. William Bridges, in his wonderful book called Transitions, he talked about that the idea that change is different than transition because change has to do with our circumstances. But transition has to do with the way that we think. And that is much harder than changing circumstances. Have you ever noticed when when someone, uh, they, they get older and their family begins talking about, hey, we may need to, <clears throat> we may need in-home nursing care or <clears throat> even to put you in a nursing home, uh, mom or dad, because we love you, we love you so much, but we, we cannot handle it. We don't know how to do this. We need help. And <clears throat> that is, that has changed thrust upon a person. So imagine how difficult it is for any anyone to go from having and owning a home to going to a place that it's, it's going to be a challenge where people take care of you and you're in a smaller room. That is very difficult because your circumstance changed, but your attitude hasn't changed yet. That's why it's so hard. And the children of Israel had a problem when they left Egypt. And the problem was this, their mind never changed from loving Egypt. They always said, that's home, that's where we had our life, that's where we had our friends. And the problem, why they could not, the first generation could not enter the promised land was because they never left Egypt. And that's a lesson for all of us, whether you follow Christ or not. If you are stuck in the past, you will never move forward. If you're stuck in what was, and you refuse to let it go, you'll never be able to move forward. That's why when we serve God, He's always changing us. He's transforming us, uh, Romans 12, 2 says, by the renewing of our minds. That's part of salvation. That's part of, of our journey in Christ, that He's changing the way that we think. And Israel, the first generation of parents, refused to change the way they thought. So God says, you know what? I'm going to let your children inherit the land because you guys can't handle it because you're stuck in Egypt in your, in, your, in your minds. And so they continued looking back with fondness, the way we often do concerning change. We look to the past with fondness, and it makes us unable to move into what must be. So back to Christ and his words. When he came on the scene teaching about what salvation was, he changed everything. He tossed the world on its head because no longer was it a matter of saving yourself by good works or by simply obeying the rules. And those who listened to him, they had a worldview or a paradigm, the way they see the world, right, that looked at salvation this way. They were looking for a Messiah, a physical Messiah that would come and lead them to physical victory and overcome the Roman Empire.
this is why there was a disconnect between those who heard Jesus, many who heard Jesus, and many who, <clears throat> who, uh, uh, you know, and, and Jesus himself. And that was a paradigm problem. They were waiting for physical deliverance because they, they felt like salvation means us being saved from the physical oppression of what the Romans are doing to us. But Jesus said, no, no, no. My, my salvation is spiritual first, and it does have physical implications, but it is spiritual first. And this is what, what Jesus did when he came into the world. It was a spiritual overthrow of evil. That was the goal. And it would eventually have physical implications to it, but not in the way that people expect or thought. And, and so, so ask yourself that question. Am I embracing change? And am I willing to embrace change? But here's another crucial question you have to ask that this question probably should have come even before this one, but ask the question, does the way that I am thinking right now in this season of my life need to change? New times require new ways of thinking to meet those times. If you don't do that, you'll never change. You'll always remain where you are. And there's an old saying that someday is, 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 not, a, is not a day of the week. In other words, it's for visionaries who say, you know, I'll do it someday, or, or who criticize those who say, I, I'll do it someday, but they never really have a plan of how to get it done. And so we have to be deliberate about our questions to ourselves. New times require new ways of doing things, so do my times that I'm living in. Is the world that I'm living in now, is it requiring something of me that, that means I have to change? Like Jesus said, if you try to if you try to uh, put put new stuff in old stuff, it doesn't work, right? New wine and old wineskin, it doesn't work. They explode. And if you try to do things in this season in the old way, it's not going to work. So in what ways, as a sub-question, in what ways does your thinking need to change? I ask myself this all the time. Did I use my energy in the best way today? If not, how do I change it? How do I make it better? So usually those ways are dictated by, by unavoidable circumstances and shifts, mega shifts in the world. For instance, this COVID thing forced change on everybody for better or worse, whether you like it or not, it forced some kind of change on all of us. And most of us hate it, let's face it, right? We're tired of Zoom, we're tired of masks and and the pros said, we're tired of all that stuff. We're exhausted from it. And in a matter of months, the world changed the way they communicate, the way they connect, what human contact means. Uh, it went, you know, they say that websites like Zoom grew overnight by millions because change happened. And so ask yourself the question, do I need to change the way that I'm thinking? Do I need to change my paradigm? But here's the third thing you can do. Run your race with patience. And this is right out of the Bible, what God says. Hebrews 12.1, the writer of Hebrews says, let us run with patience. How do you run with patience? Well, have you ever seen a sprinter next to a marathon runner? The way they view the race is very, very different. To a sprinter, it all happens in 10 seconds or 12 seconds or however fast they are. With a marathon runner, it happens very slowly, but deliberately and persistently. So what an odd set of words to put together by the writer of Hebrews. Let us run 
with patience. You're running patiently. Usually when you run, you're exerting yourself, right? That that doesn't exactly, for me, bring up a picture of patience. In fact, running, for me, pings, uh, paints a picture of, of eagerness and anxiety and restlessness and, and striving. And So what, what does he mean by these words? Well, here's a real picture of patience, biblically. Patience paints a picture of, of one laying back and reclining and resting and contentment. That's, that's a picture of patience. But at the same time, there's also forward movement. What do I mean by this? How do we lay back and rest while at the same time we're moving, we're running? Well, George Matheson put it beautifully. He spoke of two types of patience. The first is the kind that is able to lie down and rest during the storm. Like the little bird in the nest. You ever see that, that portrait? It's a portrait of peace and it shows a little bird just sitting in a nest right next to a waterfall and, and it's, it's thundering water just shooting over the falls and the bird is just sleeping so sweetly. That's this example of rest. It's not flustered, it's not anxious, it has peace in God, right? But then there's another type that is superior to this, this first type of, of peace. And it is to function or to run even while carrying a great burden or weight. Running with patience means you still maintain your integrity, your joy, your hopeful outlook, while, while, while holding the burdens that have been thrust on you in this season in your life. As Matheson puts it, it is the power to work under a stroke, meaning when you've been hit, when you've taken a hit. It is to have great weight at your heart and still to run, to have a deep anguish in your spirit and still perform the daily task. That is a Christ-like thing, he says. And this is the kind of, of paradigm change God wants us to have. A patient, be patient with yourself. Change is hard enough. You're going to hate it, but you got to do it. And only you and God know what kind of change that is. But one last thing I want to I leave with you of, of how to change a paradigm is embrace the right paradigm. Make sure that you... That you choose the right paradigm. And only God can help you with this. But we do not want to embrace paradigms of fear, of paranoia, of hoarding, right, of wild stories, and uh, most of all, of hopelessness. But we want to embrace, embrace God's paradigm. God's paradigm is always purposeful and hopeful and always sees the world, no matter how difficult it is, through God's eyes with great, great hope. And this is where God comes in. Psalms 125 and 1, 1 and 2 says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. This is a beautiful way to look at it. That when you embrace God's paradigm, nothing will move you because you know that God is in charge. You know that He is with you. The, the psalm goes on to say, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time on and forevermore. So God's paradigm is that even if the whole world is shaken by the things that are happening, you don't have to be shaken because you trust in Him. So I want to encourage you today with, with these thoughts that if you don't know what to do in this season in your life, if you don't know uh, what God is saying, get on your knees and ask Him, Lord, what are you saying to me? What do you want me to change? How do you want me to... 
how do you want me to reframe the way that I think about my situation? And you'll see how God will bless you in this season. If you like this podcast, please leave a like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we also have a, a website with articles and with audio as well as video uh, podcasts on it. Uh, great connecting with you and leave a comment. It'd be great to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. God bless. Mm-hmm.